Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and uh, they do a great job. I hope you give them a visit on their website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Jennifer Edwards. She's our supervisor of elections here in Collier County. Thought we'd get a true scoop on what's going on with mail-in balloting and uh, many other issues. We'll also visit with Larry Reed the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about fake news. And Jim McTigg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books, his two latest are Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. It's, it's a sequel, Murder Mysteries, located in Washington, D.C. Very good and interesting, fun reads. It is September the 28th, and on this day in 1928, Sir Alexander Fleming was a young bacteriologist uh, when an accidental discovery led to one of the great developments of modern medicine, having left a plate of uh, bacteria uncovered, Fleming noticed that a mold had fallen onto the culture and killed many of the bacteria. He identified the mold as penicillin notatum, similar to the kind found on bread. In 1929, Fleming introduced his mold byproduct called penicillin to cure bacterial infections. That happened on this day in 1929. Or actually, in 1928. Also on this day in 1941, the Boston Red Sox, Ted Williams, played a doubleheader against the Philadelphia Athletics on that day of the regular season. It was the last day of the season and got a hit, six hits in eight trips to the plate to boost his batting average to 406 and became the first player since Bill Terry in 1930 to hit 400. He spent his entire career with the Red Sox, playing his final game exactly 19 years later on September the 28th, 1960, at Boston's Fenway uh, Park and hit a home run in his last at-bat for a career total of 521 home runs. What a remarkable man he was. He served in the, in the Marines as a pilot. He took time off from his career in order to serve uh, during uh, the uh, Korean War. Uh, he was an amazing man. And... Uh, his son had his head uh, put it into uh, frozen, kind of a strange story there. But anyhow, he was a great hitter and a great guy. It's also Yom Kippur, the holiest of Jewish holidays, uh, and the observance uh, of the Day of Atonement. It's, uh, for those are Jewish listeners, I hope I say this correctly, Yom Tov, or Tov, COVID-19, 29 cases on Friday, no deaths, no report on Saturday, and 25 cases on uh, yesterday. The seven-day average on uh, the 16th is 33, and I think it's probably gone down since then. Now, the good news is the governor's moved Florida to coronavirus phase three. And what does that mean? Well, restaurants and bars can operate at full capacity. Non-essential travel resumes. Gyms open to full capacity. Government meetings held in person. Theme parks may return to normal operations. Sporting events considered reduced capacity, as you're urging them to do this wisely. Retail stores operate at full capacity. Vacation rentals resume normal operations. Concert halls and auditoriums are open. So that's all good news uh, for organizations like Gulf Shore Playhouse as well. So th I, to me, I just really commend the governor for making this decision. He's also said that uh, there will not be fines for masks if, if, for example, Collier County, which they have decided that we uh, have to wear masks in businesses and closed places. He says, well, that, that can, they can do that, but they can't enforce any fines at all. So they can do that if they want to have stricter requirements if, in fact, it's approved by the governor's office. So good news. I, th I think this is really great allowing each of us to make our own decisions about our health. Some people want to wear masks. Some people want to stay inside and uh, quarantine themselves. Uh, others may want to go out and do their normal activities based on their health. Good decision here by the governor. So we're fortunate to have uh, to be <laughs> in a state where, for example, they're not carting off a mother watching a football game and uh, tasing her, which happened in Ohio because of the rules. 
Well, traffic might be down at Southwest Florida International Airport, but customer satisfaction isn't. The airport has reclaimed its third spot on J.D. Power's list of the top Northern American airports. The ranking is based on customer satisfaction in comparison to other like-sized airports. I think they do a great great job. We're fortunate to have uh, the Southwest Florida International Airport. They've uh, updated it. They've improved it. And it's, it's just a, a great facility for, for travel. Uh, before we move to the big news, on Saturday, September the 26th, Franklin Graham led the prayer march in 2020 for, from 12 p.m. until 2 p.m., starting at the Lincoln Memorial. Many people attended the nearly two-mile march in Washington. Estimates ranged to about tens of thousands, up to 50,000, 55,000 people attended this march. It was an unbelievable sight when you see pictures of it. The march started at the Lincoln Memorial, proceeded around the Washington Monument, and ended at the U.S. Capitol. The webpage uh, of the prayer march says the march as a prayerful event and not a political event designed to support any particular party. So I'm very pleased that it went off successfully. I think the purpose of it was terrific, and I'm just so glad. I was fearful that uh, Antifa-like might come and disrupt the the, uh, event, but they didn't, apparently, so everything was, was peaceful. Well, in moments highlighted in video clips, which quickly circulated on Saturday, Democrat President nominee Joe Biden compared President Donald Trump to a notorious figure in the Nazi party, struggled significantly to make multiple points during an interview, and remarked that he was elected to the U.S. Senate 180 years ago. I'm not kidding. He really said that. And uh, this is just astounding, some of the things I'm about to tell you. Three gaffes. Uh, pointed out by critics online, came to Biden's interview on MSNBC Saturday with host Stephanie Rule. Well, uh, I'm not sure anybody that hadn't already made up their mind there for Trump, uh, but who knows, Biden said. (laughs) Uh, But that you know, he's sort of like Goebbels. Uh, You say the lie long enough, keep repeating, 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 it becomes common knowledge. (laughs) <laughs> and during another portion of the interview on MSNBC, uh, Biden appeared to need rules help to remember what he was talking about. He said, for example, the Paycheck Protection Program Act, you know, 1% of the money gone out, Biden claimed, 1%, 1% of the, uh, uh, that's not the paycheck, um, um, that, that is uh, the bill for the small, for the major, for the small businesses, and then rule interjected mainstream lending. At a different point during the interview, Biden said, Name John without any clear reference before changing directions. Biden said, One thing I gotta, we gotta communicate John. Look, the whole notion of what's going on here is that we cannot let, cannot have an excuse for him to avoid what needs to be done. Now, this is very concerning. He's debating the president tomorrow night. We'll see if he actually shows up. He's put a lid seven times in the past two weeks. That means he's uh, stopped uh, any kind of press activity or. or uh, campaign activity, so putting a lid seven times in the past uh, 11 days, past 26 days, he's uh, put a lid on it uh, 11 times in 26 days. And he wants to be a president. Uh, He says he wants to do so much for us, but uh, he just doesn't show up. Meanwhile, the activities of uh, President Donald Trump, and he's all over the place. Uh, Just amazing, man, including introducing Amy Coney Barrett's uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearing will begin Monday, October the 12th, uh, said Lindsey Graham. Now, the president introduced her uh, 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. It was a terrific speech on his part, and she uh, was very impressed, impressive there where there's seven kids Graham annou- and her husband. Graham announced uh, the hearing scheduled for a mere four hours after a nomination was made public by the president in the Rose Garden. President Trump's nominee will sit before the Senate Judiciary Committee for what is sure to be a contentious process to fill the vacant court seat left by the September 18th death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The process will follow the same framework as the previous two Supreme Court confirmation hearings under the Trump administration. That would uh, mean that there's real uh, opening for Democrats to put on a display of uh, bad manners. Uh, this means Barron's hearing will last four days, during which she will be given open statements, field questions from the senators, and listen to testimony from outside witnesses. The nominee will be challenged, and that's appropriate to challenge the nominee, but if they treat Judge Barrett like they did Justice Kavanaugh, it's going to blow up in their face big time, Graham said. 
Hope they don't. It was just actually embarrassing to watch that uh, with Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. Amy Coney Barrett will decide cases based on the text of the Constitution as written, Trump said, as his pick of the Rose Garden ceremony. As Amy has said, being a judge takes courage. You're not there to decide as you prefer, but you do your duty and follow the law whenever, wherever it takes you, said Trump. Barrett's appointment, which uh, would uh, be Trump's third to the highest court, would drastically remake the Supreme Court and its decisively conservative body. Democrats have grown furious with the Republican-controlled Senate, calling it le its leaders contradictory and disingenuous. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell refused to allow lawmakers to consider then-President Barack Obama's SCOTUS nomination, Judge Merrick Garland, following the death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia in February of 2016, reasoning it was an election year. No, that's not the reason. The real reason was, in fact, they had differing parties, the president, of course, being a Democrat, and the Senate, which advised and consents with the president on the nomination. Uh, it was a majority Republican. Senator Richard Blumenthal, a member of the Judiciary Committee, said he would break with committee tradition and not meet with Barrett. I'll refuse to treat the process as legitimate and will not meet with Judge Amy Comey Barrett, he wrote in Twitter, warning that her confirmation could pave the way for legal roadblocks of abortion and health care rights. Boy, did he get barraged. This was on Twitter, and he received a Twitter barrage. <laughs> hey, Danang Dick. Who cares? <laughs> but nevertheless, that's his position. Graham, uh, Trump, and other Republicans have lauded Barrett as a top legal scholar and first-in-her-class graduate of Notre Dame Law School. Trump joked at a rally Saturday that in Pennsylvania that she should be running for president. And when Fox uh, Janine Pirro asked Graham whether he thought Democrats would boycott the hearings outright, he laughed. Of course, he won't. So uh, the nomination is there, a very, uh, again, great candidate, and uh, follows the textual candidate, follows the Constitution as opposed to being an activist, much like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, God rest her soul, uh, who uh, actually translated the, the law for women's rights and a number of things that uh, may be appropriate and popular, but certainly uh, she didn't necessarily always follow the Constitution. And President Trump lambasted a New York Times report that said he paid no federal income tax for 10 to the past 15 years, calling the story fake news and arguing that he paid large amounts of federal and state taxes. It's fake news. It's totally made up, Trump said Sunday during a press briefing less than an hour after the story broke in the newspaper. Everything was wrong. They're so bad, he said. According to the Times report, Trump, who fiercely guarded his tax filings and who's the only president in modern times not to make them public, paid $750 in taxes to the federal government this year, and uh, he was elected, and $750 again the first year in office. The disclosure, which the Times said comes from tax data extended over two decades, comes at a pivotal moment, of course, ahead of the presidential debate and the divisive election. Trump, whose net worth is claimed to be in the billions, denied that he paid such a small amount in taxes. I paid a lot, and I paid a lot of state income taxes, too, he said. Even before being elected to the White House in 2016, Trump was heavily criticized for not releasing his taxes. Uh, he claimed uh, multiple times that he was under a routine audit for the IRS and will be released his filings once the audit's over. Uh, so they're doing their assessment, the IRS. A lawyer for Trump organization, Alan Garten, also denied to the Times that in the story that the president paid such a small amount of taxes, saying in the statement obtained that Trump has paid tens of millions of dollars in personal taxes to the federal government, including paying millions in personal taxes since announcing his candidacy in 2015. So you, we're going to see, I'm sure, a number of things come out. I'm sure the story was bro broke actually just before the uh, uh, debate, which happens tomorrow night. We'll see if it happens. But uh, I'm sure we're going to see a number of fake things coming out, uh, like this particular story from the Times. <clears throat> Times uh, wouldn't cite who gave them the information and wouldn't release the copies of Trump's filings that they received, saying they were protected sources. And uh, it's also unfortunate. <clears throat> But uh, Biden, he's hiding, as they say, and uh, Trump, uh, he's everywhere. In fact, he actually did a campaign event the same day that he introduced uh, Amy Comey Barrett as the candidate for 
the Supreme Court. Interesting times, a lot going on, a lot happening in the next five weeks. We'll have to watch and see what happens. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. They do a great job. We're going to have more here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4100. 11 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org we'll see you at the show welcome back to the bob harden show and now here's your host bob harden Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I'm sure they're grateful to get the news about Phase 3 from the governor. Uh, But they're also building a a great facility in downtown Naples, a cultural uh, performing arts center. It's going to be right downtown. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us our Supervisor of Elections here in Collier County, Jennifer Edwards. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, always a pleasure, Jennifer. And uh, first of all, I just want to start out when I hear some of the stories about uh, votes and voter fraud and so forth across the country. I just feel so grateful that you're doing the job that you're doing uh, here in uh, Collier County. So, you know, we don't have long lines. So things. Well, let's talk about that. First of all, we, we have mail, mail-in voting going on right now. Linda and I have filled out our votes, and we want to drop them off today. Uh, big controversy across the nation. What are your thoughts? Well, I'd like to begin by saying I could talk about how we do vote by mail in Florida. And we've been improving vote by mail in Florida for 20 years. And one one of the things that we do in Florida is we only mail a mail ballot to the voter that requests it. Mm-hmm. We don't mail to every registered voter. The voter must request the ballot be mailed to them before we will mail it. And then 
when the ballots are returned to us, one of the big controls is that we compare the signature on the back of the envelope to the voter's signature of record. And if it's questionable, then it goes to the canvassing board. Canvassing board is made up of three individuals, county judge, a county commissioner, and the supervisor of elections. And the three of us compare the signature to the signature of record, and we vote individually on whether or not that envelope should even be opened and the ballot counted. Hmm. So those are two strong controls in place in Florida. Wow, that's very impressive. Now, Linda and I actually, I like to vote by mail, and the primary reason is because there's always a surprise on the, on the ballot, that's something I haven't thought about. So I like to do a little research, make sure that I've, I, and I realize that there are sample ballots available, but, uh, and that gives me a chance to talk with Linda about the issues and so forth. So uh, we've got them all set. We've uh, filled out our ballots. We've signed them, dated them, all the things that we're supposed to do, put it in the, in the protective sleeve and, and sealed it. And uh, n- not a trusting soul now, so I don't want to put it in the in the uh, in the mailbox. So what can we do? Mail. <laughs> yeah. What can we? Do? <laughs> well, we have, of course, you can bring it to our office on Enterprise Avenue, and that, we're open from eight in the morning until five. So you can bring it inside the office and hand it to us, and we'll put it in a secure box there in our office. We also date stamp it before we put it in in that box, and we ensure that you did sign it. But we also now have a drop box outside our office on Enterprise Avenue. It's right beside the front door, main entrance, and that's available 24-7. I even had somebody call me Saturday morning and say, I got my ballot. I I voted. I want to drop it off. Where can I drop it off? So they went to our enterprise uh, location and dropped it in the 24-7 lockbox. And please know that we have cameras on every door to our facilities and on that drop box. So there are security cameras that if for any reason we think we need to uh, look at the film from the camera we can yeah so have you ever have you ever experienced and now you've been in this role now you've been voted in a couple of times so a number of years have you ever seen such a concern for voter fraud as we're seeing uh, for this year no i have not yeah Um, it's surprising but but we have to just take into consideration that it's a presidential election yeah and presidential elections are always uh, more challenging, more people are interested. We have more people vote, of course, in a presidential election. Right. Some voters only vote for president. Uh, I'm hearing a number of people say I'm voting for the first time <laughs> in my life for right. in, in this election. Yeah. So, Jennifer, we not only have, the, that's great information. Now, are there other places we can drop off? Uh, do you have other drop boxes at all? Yes, we will begin early voting on October the 19th for 13 days at nine locations across the county, and each of those locations will have a drop box where the voters may take their mail ballots inside and drop off. And also at four of those locations, we're going to have curbside voting. You could drop off your vote-by-mail ballot by just driving through the parking lot. We will have those stations manned with our own staff, and they'll be trained, and they will have a tent and uh, a a drop box. And you can just drive through and hand it to our staff, and we'll drop it in the box for you. That's going to be – we're going to do that at four of our early voting locations. That includes uh, the library on Orange Blossom, the North Regional Park, the Golden Gate Community Center, and the library on Marco Island. Fantastic. Well, uh, uh, this has taken a little accommodation because of COVID, hasn't it? It has, and our challenge with that has been, of course, uh, recruiting election workers. Some of our wonderful long-term election workers have decided that they don't want to risk their health, and I totally respect that. Mm -hmm. So we've been using social media to request 
uh, and recruit workers. And and our public has been very responsive. And we've had about 200 new election workers come on board. And we began training our election workers today. Wow. So I will say one of the things I'm most proud of as an American citizen is having this opportunity to, uh, for example, cast my ballot for the president of the United States for my favorite candidate for uh District 19, uh, the, the House seat, seat, a lot of important decisions. And this is an important franchise that each citizen has and really needs to be respected. So uh, what are some of the things, the problems that you see voters having, which kind of will either dis, uh, discount their vote or uh, won't have their vote count? What, what can we make sure we avoid? Well, number one, they have to be registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And October 5th is the last day that uh, that a resident can register to vote to vote in this election. So we encourage everyone to uh, register to vote if they're not registered. And also, we have on our website at callyourvotes.com, we have a page that says, are you election ready? And that asks some questions. But, of course, number one is, are you registered to vote? And if not, you can even go to our website and register to vote. Mm. Uh, I, I received some emails over the weekend. Some folks have children who are going to be 18 before the election, and they want to vote, so I direct them to our website, get them registered there. And if, for those who are voting by mail, be sure to sign the back of the ballot. Yeah. Now, in Florida, we can cure that. If we receive a ballot that doesn't have a signature or the envelope, the signature on the envelope is questionable whether or not it's actually that voter signature. We will send a communication to the voter and ask them to complete an affidavit, take a picture of their ID and send it in to us, and they can cure that ballot. So uh, that that timeline is that has to be done by 5 o'clock on Thursday, two days after the election. I was wondering, uh, and I really appreciate this information for our listeners, uh, Jennifer, uh, but I wonder if you could comment on uh, some of the things that you're hearing, like uh, vote by mail, which is basically sending out ballots uh, without requesting a signature, and so, you know, these, these types of things. Do you have concerns? I, I don't understand your question. Do I have concerns that people may fail to sign their ballot? No, not in, not in Collier County, because we, you've described the process here in Collier County uh, in a great way. When they, but in other states and what they're doing, uh, are you concerned about the process that they're describing, which is basically sending out ballots without uh, the request from the uh, voter? Well, that's called uh, universal mail voting, and it. My only concern is if it's occurring in states for the first time or they don't have uh, strong experience managing the volume of ballots that will be requested and returned to them. I have heard, and I haven't researched it, but I have heard stories that there may be some states that cannot even begin tabulating mail ballots until Election Day. Yeah. And in Florida, we can begin tabulating ballots 22 days before Election Day. Yeah, which, so, you, um, which you do, and I, I receive an email every day telling you how many people voted in different locations and so forth. So it's very helpful. You can actually see the progress. And I'm right. this is going to be a great election cycle, I think, in terms of a turnout, don't you? Oh, my, yes, yes. The last presidential election... Collier County led the state in turnout. We had 87% of our voters. That was a, Then that was about 175,000 people voted in the last presidential election, and we expect to... Uh, to meet that or exceed it this time. Yeah, I would certainly think so. It's a, a lot of excitement right now, at least for one candidate that I can see. And, of course, uh, Byron Donalds and, uh, against uh, the the Democrat candidate. The, these are just very important decisions and the outcomes. We're seeing them in terms of uh, the, uh, the country, uh, how it's being run, and uh, <laughs> I just encourage everybody to vote and make that vote. 
Uh, Jennifer, right. and, and voting locally, voting locally is important. We have two county commission races on the ballot. Also, we have mosquito control. We have uh, some fire district uh, races. So. Local voting is so important. Local voting, and also this, uh, th there's the constitutional amendments, uh, which uh, need to be considered as well. I'm, I'll make this. Uh, maybe you have some suggestions too. But the James Madison Institute does a great job of providing information about the uh, amendments on the ballot, and uh, you can go to jamesmadison.org to get that information. Uh, I have a pamphlet that they sent me. And it was just very helpful in terms of thinking about the pros and cons of each uh, amendment. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jennifer? Yes, we actually have the link to James Madison on our website. If you go to our website and click on the 2020 general election, then you will be taken to uh, information about the upcoming election, as well as links to resources like James Madison, also the League of Women Voters, and some other uh, resources that will help with re research. Outstanding. Again, Jennifer Edwards, Supervisor of Elections in Cuyahoga County, just genuinely appreciate the great job you do for us year in and year out. And also for this information today, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And if anyone has any questions, please give us a call. Or go to our website at callyourvotes.com. Callyourvotes.com. Thank you so much, Jennifer. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout out to Lula B's uh, Diner, located in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job. The mall's under construction right now, so just want to encourage you to drop by, have breakfast or lunch at Lula B's Diner. Terrific. Uh, service, uh, terrific food, and uh, again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Just mention my name when you, when you stop by. Uh, we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. All right, Larry, and could you tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education? Yes, we work with young people of college and high school age, we uh, maintain a very robust website uh, where they visit 
and learn about free markets and individual responsibility, personal character, and uh, the profit motive and private property. And we teach those principles on the road in high schools and colleges all over the country and abroad. And uh, we think we're doing what is necessary to keep America uh, the great and free country that uh, has distinguished it for more than 200 years. Yeah, absolutely. And I must say, I've been to some of the conferences for the Foundation for Economic Education. It is so inspiring to see young people who are hungry for information about freedom, about responsibility, about the Constitution, and uh, just great programs. And I just encourage our listeners, if you, you have a young person in your life, a grandchild or a son or daughter, in the ages of high school to college age, Go to fee.org, F-E-E.org. So, Larry, uh, you wrote a column called Fake News. Boy, that's very timely. Maybe you can tell us about it. <laughs> okay. Well, I focused in on the New York Times, uh, which I think is a source of a great deal of uh, fake and distorted news. And as a good example, it was just this summer that they ran a substantial article uh, that made the case that... Uh, uh, Public schools are slower uh, to open after lockdowns from the virus than private schools, which is true. But the reason they said in the article three times was that public schools spend less than private schools, mm -hmm. uh, which is exactly uh, the opposite case in, in, in uh, reality. On average per pupil, public schools spend 80% more than private schools do. And to date, no correction has been printed in, in the paper. And so you can ask, well, did that reporter who specializes in education uh, not know that? Uh, or did she deliberately attempt to deceive readers to uh, satisfy a, a far-left uh, pro-government uh, perspective? But the fact is that the newspaper uh, and its record uh, does not encourage one uh, to think that it was an innocent mistake. In fact, um, the New York Times was at the center of the Russia collusion hoax. Uh, its 1619 project right now is attempting to indoctrinate and, and deceive uh, students all across the country about uh, slavery in early America. And it just lies routinely, not just in what it says, but also in what it implies and what it doesn't tell you. Yeah, um, we can. I can give you more examples if you'd like. Uh, well, well, I'd like that, but uh, just one one point here is that even if, in fact, there is a correction published, you know, the article, the column, uh, the opinion might be out there in the front page or in one of the back big pages, but the correction is usually in small print someplace. So, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, it it, it uh, the the bar right now for uh, news. You, you'd like to think that uh, the fourth. A state, I guess we call it, of, uh, of uh, United States, which is counting on the news to bring us good information, hold elected officials accountable. That's not happening. What they're doing right now is creating. Uh, they're they're part of the campaign for the Democrat Party. Yeah, at some point uh, in recent decades, the New York Times uh, apparently decided that journalism wasn't its uh, objective anymore. Its objective seems to be to further a particular ideology and to do it at the expense of of uh, telling the truth quite often. And it's just really uh, disgusting to see such a decline of what was once a, a famous and uh, reputable newspaper. Absolutely. Well, just today published the, uh, uh, well, actually the, the attack on the president, uh, publishing information about his taxes, claiming he only paid $750 in taxes. They, they claimed to have uh, the last 10 years of his tax information. And uh, the president said, hey, this is just totally bogus. I mean, it's clearly an attempt. Why was why was the story? Uh, why did they break the story this week? Well, because of course the debate is tomorrow night, so it's fodder. It's grist for the yep. bill as the debate goes on. So it's it's more of a political campaign than it is actually news. Yeah, absolutely, and it's and it's always one sided. I mean, you won't see that kind of an attack on anybody uh, from the political left. I mean, they leave them alone and even try to. Uh, uh, elevate them in the public mind as being some sort of public hero with with few if any flaws most of the time yeah. uh, but uh, you know conservatives or libertarians people uh, of a different perspective than they have uh, they uh, we they have open season on those folks all the time yeah so uh, i think uh, we're all familiar with the problem it is a big problem 
And uh, yet, uh, again, I referred to the fourth estate. They have a role to play in our in our dialogue and in our in informing us and helping us to understand what's going on in the country. Do you see any way that this can be fixed? Yeah, I think uh, first of all, the public uh, can register its vote against that bias by uh, uh, unsubscribing those who are subscribing to the New York Times, but also in uh, uh, journalism schools. Uh, we need to start putting pressure uh, on journalism schools to be more fair and to be more uh, open to differing viewpoints, because a lot of this problem at places like the New York Times and the Washington Post and other major uh, far-left newspapers originates uh, in uh, journalism schools where the students there are indoctrinated by uh, almost uniformly far-left professors and they they tell them from the word go that America is uh, uh, full of evil and uh, that capitalism and free markets uh, uh, disadvantage the poor and you know the whole socialist line uh, the students are just soaked in it uh, in journalism schools and then mm-hmm. they go on to work for sympathetic newspapers like the New York Times. Well, I mean, you, you're clearly very close to what's happening on college campuses right now. One time you told me a startling story about being asked to speak, and of course now they're doing doing this uh, cancer, uh, I should say, uh, can't, <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> Cancel. Cancel culture, thank you. And literally, you felt physically intimidated in the, in the environment there, be, be, and uh, you were concerned about personal attack. That's what's happening on the college campuses today. Oh, yeah. It happened to me at the University of Colorado uh, at Denver uh, in a major way. And, uh, you know, you can't help but think, well, a lot of these privileged students who don't want to hear the other side and will try to shut down an opposing speaker, uh, they're the ones who will go on to be uh, in positions of some influence. They'll get jobs at places like the New York Times, and uh, and they will uh, overtly and covertly uh, criticize the uh, viewpoints they don't agree with, even though uh, they have very little knowledge of opposing viewpoints. Now, I'm aware of an organization that works to make sure that there is a balance or works towards getting a balance at uh, university professors, in other words, uh, conservatives versus, uh, I'm going to call them communists and socialists, uh, is there hope? Well, there's, a, there's always hope because nobody knows the future, and sometimes big changes happen when you get a critical mass of people who are fed up and uh, the right uh, circumstances and personalities may appear on the scene and big changes can happen. So we have to hope for that. And, uh, but for that to happen, we have to continue to educate people and open their eyes to what's happening around them. It's uh, it's, uh, most parents, I think, would be absolutely shocked if they fully understood the uh, uh, one-sided, far-left perspective that students, uh, their children, are often getting at major universities. Yeah, and paying a ton of money for it as well, or uh, incurring a ton of debt uh, to have it happen. It's just really unconscionable. Yeah. Again, Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Again, I strongly encourage you to visit fee.org, F-E-E. Larry, always a pleasure to have your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington bureau chief. He had the press pass for the for the White House. Uh, he's now retired. He's written a couple of novels. One is uh, Follow the Leader. Its sequel is Shake the Money Tree. It's uh, murder mysteries and uh, located in downtown Washington, D.C., with all the trappings of government and so forth. It's really great reads. We're going to visit with uh, Jim at, as, uh, and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? 
Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on bobharden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, and they do great things like creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's written several books. His two latest, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree, two great murder mysteries in Washington, D.C. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure, Bob. I'm I'm preparing uh, to watch the debates tomorrow because I haven't made up my mind yet. Uh, You know, I consider myself an everyman. Uh, well, maybe not an everyman Trump supporter, uh, an everyman uh, independent who hasn't made up his mind. And uh, the debate, this first debate, is really important to me. I think it will uh, determine uh, my decision. And uh, the things I wonder about are, uh, you know, is Biden really all there? I mean, are the reports that he doesn't have all his marbles true or is it a propaganda uh-huh. so if he he has to have a, a, a strong intellectual showing because uh, frankly i you know if a vote for biden is a vote for uh, kamala harris uh that's a non-starter with me yeah as as for trump um you know the report the tax reports although i don't take them at face value because they come from the new york times which is an arm of the democratic party yeah uh they still do have an impact. So, so I have to wonder, uh, does Trump have the interests of the country uh, at, at center, or is he more interested in uh, his, own, uh, you know, his own debt, his $400 million in debt? So from Trump, I expect coherent answers to policy questions. Like I would, I would love to see a specific plan to replace Obamacare. He talks about a great plan, but he never delivers. Um, I would love to hear, uh, you know, more about what he hopes to accomplish in a second term. So if he if he's just doing name calling and and denouncing fake news and dodging all the questions, uh, I'm not going to be able to vote for him. So I mean, this this debate is crucial as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think you probably represent the point of view of a lot of people out there. I mean, in my mind, I've, uh, we were just talking earlier about some of the flubs and the things that uh, Biden has said during his interviews where he gets lost and doesn't understand what he's saying. So there's real evidence that there's a, a mental decline there. Irrespective of that, though, you're right. And actually, on the 23rd of September, he said he hadn't started preparing for the debate. 
I actually, I'll, I'll raise this point. I actually wonder if he, if his heart's really in it, if he really is running for the, to be president, or is the party just planning to create enough, enough obfuscation, enough uh, problems with the election, with Maryland ballots and so forth, to make it, uh, you know, to create a furor about the, about the results. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a, a possibility too. I don't trust uh, either party. I mean, I thought the um, impeachment uh, fiasco. I mean, that was uh, political theater. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. It was not uh, uh, an exercise in um, uh, jurisprudence. It was a you know a rush. It was a uh, kind of uh, like an oxbow incident. Let's string Trump up and get it over with. Yeah. So uh, I, I definitely don't trust uh, the Democrats. On the other hand, I don't trust the Republican Party. I think they would sell their soul uh, to retain power. Uh, Trump has done things that are outrageous, and the party should should have stood up with almost a single voice and said, uh, "Mr. President, uh, that's wrong. You know, you shouldn't be doing this." But they don't; they just roll over. So, well, what, what, uh, what, give us an example, Jim, of what you have in mind when you say that. Well, his, his rhetoric can be inflammatory, uh, and. Uh, you know, especially uh, and, and especially when he's dealing with uh, clashing uh, interests, uh, race, black and white. I mean, he he could be more of a statesman, and he's more of a, he, he comes across to me as more of, of a bomb thrower than a statesman. That's so, so interesting uh, you say that because I, I listen to the man, I listen to his words. I, I think part of his uh, part his style, the way he speaks, has more influence than the actual words that he uses. When you listen to the words, I just don't hear what you're saying. Now, what he does do, he, he counterattacks as a counterpuncher. So if he's called a name or, you know, he's going to come right back to whoever it might be and make a, 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 a comment. So I see that, but I don't see him making inflammatory statement on, around race, color, religion, or anything. Well, you know, there, are, there have been opportunities to reach out and try to unite the country. Um, he's been handed them on a silver platter, and one of them was the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the race riots. Um, he could have been more of a statesman than he is. I mean, I mean, I personally, when I look at the, uh, uh, and I'm every man again. Mm-hmm. I would, I love the police to be more measured in their responses. Uh, I would love the police to um, not be trained to shoot first and ask questions later, hmm. which they are, um, and, and which I have a theory that that goes back to violent uh, drug trafficking that began in the 70s. So it has nothing to do with uh, uh, the inner city. That's interesting uh, you say tra- that, because I, 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 right now I know that the, uh, fed, uh, the uh, federal uh, officers are now being deputizing some of the police and uh, sheriff's officers in, for example, Portland, and it's char- charging these people with federal crimes because they know the lo- local prosecutor won't do it. No, no, I, you know, I was going to say, although I wish the, you know, the police different training. On the other hand, when, when I see the Antifa, I feel like going out into Portland and beating these guys over the head. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're disgusting. They're disgusting human beings. They're criminals uh, that think that they have a, a get out of jail free card. Yeah. And the Democratic Party uh, just rolls over yeah. and lets them, you know, behave this way. So, so I associate the Democrats with the suppression of free speech. I associate the, the Democrats with encouraging uh, this kind of uh, violent mob-like behavior. And it's not just Antifa. I mean, when I see mobs uh, protesting in front of Lindsey Graham's house or some cabinet official's house, that just revolts me. Absolutely. You know, even if I don't like the politician, uh, you don't invade their house. You don't, you know, if there, there are forums for, for protest, and, and, but the Democrats are promoting uh, this kind of mob behavior. Well, I, I'll, tell you, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you who's really promoting it is George Soros. And I, I don't know if you saw the interview with Newt Gingrich, with uh, 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 Harris Faulkner and uh, Marie Harf. And uh, Melissa uh, Francis, uh, this is on the show, Outnumbered, I think it is, uh, during the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, uh, uh, Newt said, hey, you know, the reason why this is happening is because Soros is funding all these elections for uh, district attorneys. And they both, they all said, no, hey, don't bring up George Soros. 
So what's going on there? I mean, he's pumped millions and millions of dollars into these campaigns, $2 million into Kim Fox's campaign in Cook County, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm not endorsing uh, either party. Yeah. Um, that's, um, and uh, a lot of people criticize me for this. Uh, they say, you know, how can you be on the fence at this point? Um, I, I see a Hobson's choice. So, um, you know, I really don't like uh, Donald Trump as an individual. One of my nicknames for him is uh, President Line My Pockets. So I, I worry about, you know, so when I read reports about the New York Times story, I, I canceled my subscription of the Times months ago because it's a propaganda rag. Uh, I just wonder if he's if he's truly has four hundred million in debt hanging over his head. Yeah, so, he, I'm uh, sure. You, I'm sure this. Of, I'm sure your your point of view is sure. without. Uh, catering to his own self-interest. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you say that, and I'm sure a lot of people share your point of view or share that concern, and yet here's a guy that's giving away his salary uh, uh, every quarter to or every year to a different organization in the government, for example, one of the government, uh, government agencies. Uh, he doesn't seem to have any focus on his on his personal business. He seems to be more focused on being president of the United States. So, of course, I'm I'm seeing through a different lens. I know that. But I, it's just interesting to me that uh, you would see these things and, and have these perceptions in the face of what I see to be his behavior, which is exactly the opposite. Well, well, on the plus side, he's been arguing that he didn't release his taxes because he's being audited. And it turns out he is, in fact, being audited. Right. He's been audited since 2010. So he was telling the truth. Uh, the second thing is, when you look at the reports, uh, these documents were leaked by some legal source. You know, you can't help but think it was uh, 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 the, the Michael. I'm having a senior moment. Yeah. Michael, what's his name? Who is went to prison? Yeah. Um, so, so you know, we're and if you get tax accountants in a room to go over these documents, I've seen this before. I mean, Trump didn't do anything illegal. Yeah. Uh, he didn't go to jail. Uh, it's it's a uh, it must be a um, genuine dispute because it has been going on since 2010 and the IRS hasn't dropped a hammer on him. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot to this story that we don't know. Uh, the National Review points out that Trump got a tax refund because of a uh, a law that Obama signed uh, during the Great Recession huh. to help corporations claw back their taxes so that. So that, um, you know, that's at the heart of why Trump hasn't, has only paid $750 in taxes. So and his, his, attorney said, his attorney says he's paid uh, millions uh, since 2015 in federal taxes. So, I, I mean, I personally think the story's bogus. And what I think also, it's kind of like Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. We're going to see a number of these things happening up until the election. More breaking stories. So far, the uh, Woodward story. Uh, that hasn't that hasn't gained traction. I think this story is not going to get traction. Uh, <laughs> they they just keep on pulling ar- the arrows out of their quiver. I don't think that they're going to get traction yeah. with this. Having said all this, I could still end up voting for Trump. It comes down to that first debate, yeah, and the performance of both candidates. Um, and I'll have a visceral reaction, and that will determine my vote. You know what? I, I really appreciate you sharing that point of view because I'm sure it represents a number of people in the country. This is not for sure as it should be in my mind what's going to happen. But last last point, the uh, nomination, Amy Comey Barrett uh, to the Supreme Court, uh, what are your thoughts? A brilliant, a brilliant political move by Donald Trump. Uh, I'm a Catholic. Uh, a young priest on Sunday uh, was bemoaning the fact that Barrett was being attacked for her uh, religion, and uh, that they they weren't criticizing her uh, judicial performance. Uh, you know, the emphasis was on the religion. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Trump knew she would be attacked because of her religion. Uh, that it would swing a lot of the the, the Catholics into his camp, yeah. and. Uh, I applaud him for being a smarter political strategist than the Democratic Party. Yeah, and I think she'll make a great justice, number one. And number two, I think the the committee, judicial committee in the Senate, better watch their P's and Q's. 
because I don't think people want to see another Brett Kavanaugh experience. So we'll see how this turns out. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, I, uh, uh, By the way, uh, Mark Schulman was going to be on the show. And, of course, it's Yom Kippur. So uh, we uh, wish him a holy day and, and our other Jewish friends. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator. We'll visit with Buzz Victor. He's representing the neighborhood about the uh, Naples One project that's going to be built on Vanderbilt Beach Road and... Uh, uh, down on the beach. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Boo Mortens will be joining us. Uh, we'll find out what's new with Boo. Uh, your comments are always appreciated on the on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Happy to send you a copy of the newsletter that goes out at, after each show as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>